Welcome back to Diz Dads Podcast Plus. This is your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and we're going to essentially dive right in here in a second and pick up where we left off with our last episode um, and just get into the second half of the trip report from Jay Crocker. I do need to go ahead and acknowledge our podcast sponsors again. Um, Diz Dads Podcast Plus is sponsored by Wicked Mouse Travel and Mouse Master Travel. Both of them are authorized Disney vacation planners who would love to help make sure that your next family Disney destination vacation comes out perfectly. You can check them out at their respective websites, mousemastertravel.com and wickedmousetravel.com. All right, so if you missed last week's show, go back and listen to it. There's a lot of good stuff there. But in this episode, we're going to continue that discussion uh, that Aaron and Tim and Willie had with Jay. Um, and Jay was giving us sort of the rest of the story regarding his uh, 10-day long Thanksgiving break, Walt Disney World vacation, Spent a lot of time in the parks. We already talked about the kingdoms, um, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. So we're going to pick up here with our discussion of uh, what he enjoyed about and what they experienced at um, Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. Enjoy. We got two parks left that you spent a lot of time at, um, and let's let's take a monorail that's not operating at the moment across to Epcot. And uh, talk about a, a double festival visit. Um, you know, maybe start with the the comparison. You know, d- did you notice a significant difference between what coming into Epcot for a food and wine day versus a um, you know holiday festival day? So it, so it's interesting um, because of all of the construction going on in Epcot. Um, um, I have I have to be um, very clear that the entrance to Epcot is still very lackluster. So you don't really notice anything as you are as you are going in. Um, there are still you know temporary walls up all over the place. While they've got a lot of it finished, and you can start to see lighting is going in around some of the trees now. And there, I have a feeling walls will be coming down soon. You don't really notice much of a difference when you were at the entrance to the park. And in fact, it's interesting because it really wasn't even decorated um, for food and wine festival, festival of the holidays. You know, usually there's some topiaries out there that have been, that have been set up for whatever holiday or something's going on. There's nothing out there. So you would not know that there's a festival going on um, (laughs) from the entrance way, which, which I say to, to caution people with it, with the very idea of, um, you know, I feel like Epcot doesn't get enough love as it is, and that's why they're changing Epcot. Um, it re- it feels very, very much like somebody could be like, "Why are we here?" Uh, when you first walk in, if you don't know, you know right. what, what to do. 
Well, and, and the truth is the front of the park is kind of a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, you know, they've done a better job. You know, we were there in July, late July, early August, as we, we talked um, during that trip. And um, they've done a much better job of setting up the walls to get you places. They've labeled them very sleekly now. There's little figments in different colors all over the place pointing the way, you know. So they've they've done a nicer job than what they had when we were there in July. But um, it's still, it's a mess. There's, that's that's the best way to describe it. If, if, if you know... If you can see Disney's long game, you, you know it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be incredible. But for Disney, it's a mess. Um, well, and, you know. and you know that Disney themselves are looking at this, going, "Man, I wish we could do something different with this, but but we just can't. We've got we have to block this off because we have to do this and we have to do that." So it probably do- doesn't suit their druthers either. Oh, I, I would I would bet not. Um, so um, when you get into, um, you know, the front of the park by, by Spaceship Earth and um, the land and the sea, which we always go into the right because we are not test track riders. Um, we, you know, we always go over to the land first and, and we like to start our day with Soren um, just because it's fun. Uh, you know, you, you start to see some of the decorations you see. Um, you know, Chippendale, uh, run, you know, running around in the restaurant in there, and and um, and and all of that, and it and it was lovely, and um, and I will say that the land is is one of those places that is very difficult to social distance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that because that the that traffic flow, you know, especially from the entrance, sort of, you know, down to the entrances to Soren and living with the land, it, mm-hmm. is always a problem. It is, it is. And they're doing their best to, to work through that. But, but I will tell you there, there will be a time about an hour or two after park opens, you know, especially people that don't necessarily have a plan that, you know, the ones that wander into a spaceship first and then go right and find themselves at the sea and the land. Um, there was a time where the queue to get into the land was was wrapped around all of those beds, um, you know, multiple times, kind of in zigs and zags, all the way back over to the Coral Reef restaurant. Wow. Um, and it's just because there is nowhere to route that traffic in that building because it's one way. You go down the stairs and the escalator on the right-hand side of the building, and you go up, you know, by the exit to Soren, the entrance slash exit to Soren, you go up those steps and that escalator to get out. And they even have the um, the stanchions with the cue markers to keep you from going back around the other way to the other staircase. Um, in, in fact, it's a bit of a problem because we rode Soren and we wanted to ride um, Living with the Land and we could not get through the traffic because of the one-way routing and we actually oh, had to go wow. up and around and now, then they did back not, down yeah they did not make us wait in the line again to get you know to get into there because um because we were in the building already uh but we we actually had to go up and around and back down to ride you know wow. to wait five minutes to get on the boats for living with the land <laughs> <laughs> wow so now I, I saw I've seen recently some people post some things. Is living with the land like tricked out for the holidays now? It's beautiful. Um, and in fact, uh, we wrote it in the daytime, our first day at the parks so when we were there for um, for the food and wine festival, and you could see that it was that it was set up for um, for the the holidays. Um, and so the second time I waited until nighttime to ride it, and I took some pictures and I sent them to Willie. And they, they have outdone themselves. Normally they put some lights in the little tunnels, you know, the, 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 
the decorations, the lighting, it, it's beautiful. The way they've set up a few different, different. Um, they've got some topiaries. They've got some some reeds that they've created with all of the food that they've grown there. You know, they've got all these natural reeds. It was it was stunning. Um, and they've got some new LEDs that I'd never seen them use down in the sand that are shining in holiday colors up on the plants. It's it's beautiful. They've hung ornaments nice. in different ways than I've seen in the past. So whoever's working and living with the land uh, to, to get some love, <laughs> you know, because let, let's be clear, especially um, when I've gone in the past, you know, living with the land closes fairly early because it's a five minute wait at night. Um, I will I will say right now save that and go at night if you are there during the holidays because it is beautiful right now great tip that's a nice stop on your way out kind of thing right because you got to go past that way anyway yes yes um all right so that that's the the entrance way obviously you know you've got this mess but once you get in and you start to get back into to world showcase is it Food Booth Central versus Food Booth Central, or or is there some distinctive difference between, uh, you know, Food and Wine World Showcase and Festival of Holidays World Showcase? It's it's interesting. Um, we were there. We went to Epcot three days. We went there the last day of the Food and Wine Festival, um, the day before Thanksgiving, and then the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So we were there Food and Wine between festivals and then second or third day of the, of the second festival. And um, the, the signage for the festivals as you approach the World Showcase, that's where it shows up. That's where the beautiful tree is there um, at the entrance to the World Showcase. Um, and there are, there were, for food and wine, uh, there were food, it was food booth central. I mean, there were, there were food booths everywhere. And um, it was a lot of the of the food booths that many people have grown to love and recognize. You know, you can make sure that you get your your um, your cheese uh, soup with your pretzel and your filet mignon in Canada. You get you know you know I mean like right. all those things that that we've come to expect as as staples now of the food and wine festival were there. Um, and then um, there were there were a few other um, so, you know surprising little booths that that were still there. Like um, the donut box had had reopened um, for the food and wine festival again this year over by by Test Track. The uh, you know and that's one of my favorites because they have a, a delicious beer to go with your donuts. And, oh, nice! You know, <laughs> they do. Got a lot of beer and donuts. Yeah, beer and have, donuts. The breakfast of champions. They have they have a, a like a, a chocolate gingerbread stout or something like that that goes with the donuts. You know, interesting. It was, it was I've got it in my phone. I'll have to look it up for you all. It was phenomenal. You know, um, so there are there really were food boots everywhere. The um, and they were in different places. Um, you, you know, over by where you would travel from imagination into the world showcase through via kind of the side, the side paths. There used to be like fire and water and all of these different booths where they would do that. They've had to move those because of social distancing and okay. because of because of park, um, you know, renovations, too. But so you kind of walk around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, there's food here. Um, and th- there's a lot of really great um in interesting different different plays i saw a few things that were different this year at one of those booths um they had a, a an entire sign of ballpark favorites that um you know and so they had they had a, a giant um poster of all of these stadiums and the and the fan favorite foods from those stadiums like what interesting. is you're at these parks and then they had done a twist on some of those ballpark favorites in that booth you know very nice some really fun different things that I had never seen before. And if somebody out there is like, they've done that before, I had never seen it. So 
um, it's yeah, new to yeah. you. Yeah, it's new but to it's me. But it's a change of pace, and that's what we want. We want different food. We want different drinks. We, like, you know, I mean, Aaron's excited now about the donuts and beer. Like, <sighs> I'm telling it's you, not, it's not right? olives and wine, but it's still good. Well, see, I, 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 I went to college with a group of guys in the days when, when – you know, you had to to physically stand in line at Allen Fieldhouse to get in to use your you know student tickets to CKU home basketball games, and so before big games, we would camp out. And you know, nowadays they they they're all lazy, right? They just have to sign in, and then as long as one person from your group signs you in at the checkpoints, you're fine. No, no, no. We used to camp out in you know February outside. At, at Allen Fieldhouse waiting to get in. And, and how do you get through, you know, the cold of 3 a.m. in February? You beer and donuts. Beer. Donuts and beer. Beer and yeah. donuts. Did yeah, you have so, Krispy Kreme? Uh, usually we had, a, it was a, a local favorite. Um, uh, there were a couple of different ones, either Munchers or uh, 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 John's Donuts. Just depends on where you stopped. Can't go wrong with local donut shops. No, you know, local, way. fresh, fresh, hot, glazed local donuts Port and locals. beer. Yeah. The, uh, so, Willie, Willie, are you saying you wouldn't? You would turn down a gingerbread stout and a donut. You, you really wouldn't need it. I would totally do that today. All no, right, now we're talking it's donuts and beer. I mean, donuts yeah. and beer. I mean, I'm Homer Simpson all the way. So. So the, the the food and wine festival was in full swing. It was wonderful to go into the um, the showcase building uh, between uh, Canada and was it is it yeah it's over it's over by Canada right where, 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 between Canada and the UK place. the world show place yes thank you yeah, um, it, was, it was wonderful to go in there to see all the foods being prepared and my favorite entertainer. Uh, well, one of them. I can't pick just one, but um, the the uh, the piano player from the pub at uh, Rosen Crown. She is in there playing. Oh, They've great. set up a grand piano for her, and it is like it's not as raucous as when you are getting to sing and play in the Rosen Crown. But I will tell you the fact that she's still employed and that she is playing tunes for people at the at the various festivals on that grand piano in that room makes me very happy. It makes my heart happy. So. Um, and it's air conditioned. It's out of the rain. And um, if you if you ever do another episode on bathrooms, there's a bathroom there that I want to talk about. <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest men's bathroom in the world. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. Go bowling. I took a picture of it like a weirdo. It was so big. <laughs> I have a picture too. Yeah. And I think Aaron and I have both talked about this. Yeah. Not on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's where we do a lot of I, our. Um, I don't remember it. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, it's, it's, it's where we. Do, it's where they do a lot of the the uh, when we have travel. You know, the big agency owner meetings, right? They do events in there, and again, of course, because because like seventy five percent of the agency owners are women. You know, there are like nine of us guys, and there have got to be twenty five stalls in that bathroom, at least. If not 125. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so so, so take up multiple fair, at once. Got it. To be okay. fair, the ladies' room is just as large because our friend Donna, Willie, she took a picture for me to say, oh, my God, oh. it's just as big. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, Tim, it, if you've never been in there, I don't even know how to explain it. You walk in 
and you do not know where you are because the place is so big. And wow. and, there's, and there's a big full wall mirror at the other end that right. then magnifies you look like yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the Hall of Mirrors at Versailles or something. It's insane. <laughs> anyway, enough, enough about the bathroom. <laughs> but, uh, but so so I will say No, it's only one bathroom at Epcot. Okay. It's the I was gonna say you've heard of tables in Wonderland. Yeah, we're that we're doing bathrooms in Epcot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so one thing that we wanted to make sure that we that we checked out because we're weirdos like this is um another thing that we like to do is we like to go to the ice cream shop in France. And we like to get the seasonal macaron or the macaroon, as we like to say in uh, in English that we hear American English as we as we destroy it. Um, and so we had the pumpkin spice uh, macaroon for the food and wine festival, um, and it was okay. That's not one of my favorite favorites, <laughs> but just but okay. We we like to we like to try it right yeah. so so we, so we did that knowing that we were coming back for the festival of the holidays to see if it would be different um, and, I'll, and 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 it was when, when we talk about the differences they they did they they changed it out and it was a peppermint one and it was delicious um, I was say the the two words that uh, seal the deal there pumpkin spice nope, right. nope. Yeah. Nope. not my not my favorite flavors and I will say that my husband let me enjoy most of that on my own he took one bite and said that's yours so. <laughs> <laughs> but then you go to peppermint and I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> the peppermint was phenomenal. It was so good. So when we, when we went back that um, later at the end of that week, it was, it was different. Um, and then as you walk through the other side of the world showcase through Morocco, which is very, very sadly um, deserted right now um, there, you know, spice road table is open and one of the shops is open and that's pretty much it. Um, it's very yeah. quiet. They haven't really announced anything official, but something's going on with Morocco. It's pretty clear. It, 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 yeah, there it, there has to be. I mean, it is eerily quiet. I mean, we were one of maybe two or three groups of people wandering through the entire pavilion. It was it was is strangely quiet. It was sad. So um, there was there wasn't even really there was like one Moroccan um, little booth for the food and wine festival uh, that that because nobody was sticking around there were hardly any people even there and it looked delicious and smelled really good but we had just eaten a macaroon so (laughs) 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 We, we bypassed it um and then as you go through the rest of the world showcase i did not notice for the food and wine festival, a lot of difference from what I'd seen in the past that, you know, America had a, a specialty funnel cake, um, you know, because what else do we have? And a lot of, a lot of ales and, and exciting turkey legs and things like that, that you can always get. Um, but the, um, I will say it was, it was really fun to see um, Mariachi Cobre was playing in the American showcase pavilion, um, while while we were there, and it was, it was nice to know that there was some entertainment from Epcot um, that were that were there, right? So, and that those yeah. folks were getting some work. Yes, yes. Speak and speaking of, I forgot to say this: the Jamiters were playing on the stage in Canada. Oh, so, nice! Oh, and, sweet! And instead of trash cans, they're playing on stoves. So. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's funny. Now that's like funny. That. Yeah, so it was, it was a nice little twist. So it was That's cute good. because it was a food and wine festival. They were playing on like stoves right, with right. pots and pans. So. All right, so so the big question is, I mean, that being the description of food and wine, mm-hmm. you know, was there a marked difference when you went back and it was festival holidays instead? Yeah, so so I'd actually like to talk a little bit about that Wednesday 
Okay, about, in between we, day. We went Wednesday because um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Epcot was deserted. And, 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 and by deserted, and if, if people follow on touring plans, you know, I want to say Epcot was at like a three out of 10, you know? I mean, I, don't th- I was- think that's an understatement. You sent me a picture by Japan, and I could count the person in the picture. Yes. And he took a widescreen angle. There was from Japan no up towards America. America. Yeah. Yeah. There was no one. Wow. Like it literally looked like he was there at seven AM. Yeah. With like a like a private party. It was yeah. impressive that there was no one there. Yeah. Um, See, they were probably all in La Cava, I'm just saying. They're probably <laughs> Well, well yeah, but even if the, even if they were all in La Cava, that meant that there were ten people in Epcot, right? Because yes. yeah, you can't get that many people in La Cava. Yeah, and and right now you have to wait to get into the pyramid to even get into La Cava. Oh, right? so you have to wait uh, to get into wait. Yeah, you have to wait to get into wait, and when you get to the front of the queue line, when they let you down into the um, into the area in Mexico, um, they ask you, "Are you going on the boat ride, or are you going to La Cava?" And then they separate you into two more lines. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my goodness so it would if, if you get the lacava stay because <laughs> don't worry i will <laughs> yeah. so so twist so, tim's yeah. arm I so know, right? i just wanted to say that um that the reason i want to talk about that wednesday a little bit was not just because it was deserted but because it's amazing how disney quickly shuts down um one festival and has signs up for opening soon um, for for what's coming, and they change out all of those kitchens. They shut some of them down, but it was it was it was eerily quiet and deserted. But also, you could tell Disney was working their magic for what was coming up on Friday. Um, okay. And then, um, and that, and that's really all I wanted to say about that Wednesday. And if you ever want a day in Epcot where clearly it's not crowded, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and and I think that's just because a lot of the families that are going for the holiday they're skipping Epcot right now because they're waiting for the bigger and better things to open. Right. Um, and then let's if we talk about um, then when we were there on Saturday uh, for the festival of the holidays, yes, more decorations were up than we than we had seen. Um, we had seen Joy playing in the yard. She has a little stick and a pinwheel, and she plays and waves at the kids. All of a sudden, Pooh was there with his scarf on and his winter hat, and it was it was very fun to see him playing in the yards as well. Um, but all of the booths had changed out. All of the mer- merchandise had changed out in the Showplace Pavilion. Um, that's where you know you can get your annual pass holder merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the food was all of a sudden all holiday themed, you know, so um, what had been the Brazilian booth is now all of a sudden um, the the Latkes booth over by Morocco, you know, um, and the okay. pastrami on, on rye, you know, and, and the food was, I thought, and maybe it's just because they get tired of the food and wine festival by the end of it, the food was better at the at the holiday party. As far as I was concerned, than it was at the Food and Wine Festival. I I enjoyed the selection more because it just didn't seem kind of tired and the same. No, you know, and I I, I think you you know even the folks who work the booths, right? I mean, it's it's something new, right? It's it gets a little extra attention. It gets. I, I think the very beginning is always always better. We've talked about this before, where and actually. With food and wine, often it's like the you know fourth or fifth day before they hit their stride, right? 
they as they figure out service problems and things like that. So it's good that the first day they were already hitting on cylinders because we've talked in the past about how often it feels like with Food and Wine Festival, the first, you know, even week, a lot of times it's hit and miss because they're just figuring out, you know, how to handle the services. Yeah, you're you're wondering if they've ever done this before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I will say they've gone to new dispensers for the for the cutlery. You know, you used to pull a little handle and you get a spoon. You pull a little handle, you get a fork. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they now have the ones that you just pull out on the fork or the knife or the spoon and it comes out. Um, and it's the first time I've seen in a long time at Disney where I went to three or four different booths looking for a fork because they hadn't refilled them. Um, mm-hmm. And that did happen at the Festival of the Holidays. And that's just not typical for disney so they may have still been hitting their stride in that way and that's why i bring that up aaron is that right right um i never felt that it was unclean people were constantly constantly cleaning but i i had to check four different places to get a fork so (laughs) well you know that's frankly i mean that's the kind of thing that's the little you know they have to adjust to just the uh, having fewer cast members around to do those things i mean they're working with less full of uh, a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you can, you can tell that's the case. Yeah, there it is. So, um, so, so the, so the idea is I enjoyed the festival of the holidays. I did the, um, the um, Olaf uh, tour for the, um, you know, for the little cups that, that they, um, that they allow you to, to get and redeem mm-hmm. you know, much like Remy's um, tour during the food and wine festival. But I think the most fun thing that we did during the entire festival, of the holidays was the cookie stroll. Um, if, if you, <laughs> it, it, Willie's it, excited. It, I could it, tell. I, 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 he kept sending me pictures. And I was like, sign me up. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I mean, they were so good looking. Yeah, and, and I will say that um, you're paying two fifty a cookie, and then you get a free cookie at the end. Come on, you've just paid like twelve fifty for cookies, right? But right. Um, but I have to say that they were all at least four inches diameter. You know, I mean, these are big cookies. We shared each of the cookies, and they were phenomenal. And it was fun to to try them. You get a little stamp in your passport. You get you know, um, and you, you, the. I don't know, because, again, I think that idea of it's the beginning of the festival, all the cast members were excited to have these new stamps that they were putting in these passports, watching children run and get their cookies. And, you know, it was just we had a blast um, doing those. And um, if anybody asks, the the chocolate cookie from the American Pavilion was my favorite. So it was a chocolate crinkle cookie that was phenomenal. I was just going to ask that. So glad you preempted. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh, and another thing that I learned, I thought you had to try all of the different cookies to get the, um, to get the free cookie you had, you just have to buy. So if you want to buy five of the same cookie to get the, the sixth cookie free, you're allowed to. So if you have allergies or aversions to flavors or anything else, you don't have to visit all of the booth, the different booths to get the cookies because they're of course scattered throughout the showcase. You could just buy five of the first cookie and then go get your free cookie. So <laughs> five of those chocolate crinkles, huh? Uh, that's what I would do. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I thought. Try right. You buy five of them, you bring them back to the resort with you, you got breakfast, you know. If you can get one of those beers back with you, too, you can have cookies. Yeah, five, five, get one free. (laughs) Tuck it in your I'm down with that. Yeah. Now, that would be nice. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so did you, um, did you do any, any actual like table service dining at, uh, at Epcot? So we did. Um, originally we had just kind of decided to snack our way around through both festivals, but we decided um, to go ahead and grab a a reservation for, um, for chefs de France because it had recently reopened. It was not open when we were there in July and August and we wanted to, um, to see how it was. And and I will say that the food was still top notch um, stellar. It's, it's interesting though. Um, when you're used to the young men and women from, from different, you know, regions of France serving you and you have, um, Harry from Long Island, uh, coming out and serving you. It was very different, um, to hear him, um, try to talk about a lot of the French stuff on the menu, but he did a phenomenal job. He was, he was really, he was really great. And he was, he was doing his best, um, because he, he usually worked, um, at a different restaurant i don't recall which one but yeah but i will say the prefix menu there is still i think one of the best meals in in the park for the for lunch um the price has gone up i want to say it's 40 something dollars now and i think it used to be like 36 or 39 right um but it's still i mean if you eat that for a lunch you really don't need another meal for you know for dinner or no, anything you like maybe that. catch a snack later because absolutely so i think it's cookies. still Oh, with cookies and beer. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, olives and wine. Yeah, olives and wine. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I will say this. Um, I learned the hard way that um, the France Pavilion right now is not taking the Tables in Wonderland card, and they used to. So um, I went in expecting 20% off on my oh. on my bill. We order drinks when we when we do a sit down. And I'm glad we didn't order a bottle of wine. But um, <laughs> but, but but right now, um, you know, just for for whatever reason, under the current reopening, whatever the new agreement is, since since the France Pavilion reopened, or at least Chefs de France, they're not taking Tables in Wonderland, even though it says on the website that they currently are. So um, that's the only place that I encountered that to be the case, and I just think people should Interesting. know. Yeah, that's good to know. And I appreciate you giving us that heads up. Um, and that's one of those things that, you know, if you're used to using a discount, um, it, your your best bet is always to ask at the very beginning of the meal. Um, mm-hmm. They tend to be really good about letting you know. I, I still remember, um, you know, when we went with uh, a bunch of guys with, with from Diz Dad's Club uh, to... Oh, I think it was the first time we went to Beer Garden. And at the time, they were not doing um, tables discounts, but they were accepting annual pass discounts. So mm-hmm. as long – but, you know, the key was if you ask them up front, at least you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And because I just checked the website and hadn't asked, um, you know, again – I was I was fine with it, you know, but sure. but but if you're a family of six going in expecting a twenty percent discount and you don't have, oh that, yeah, and that's yeah, what, you might be a little disappointed at, at forty bucks a plate. It makes you know it adds up. Exactly. Um, so yeah, the the best advice is if you're eating at a restaurant that is anything other than you know an obvious Disney owned restaurant, just mm-hmm. ask. Um, and that goes for really any place in World Showcase. You know, you're you're gambling because uh, most of those are not Disney owned in World Showcase. And um, you know, there are a few others, um, but th- that's you know, there or Disney Springs would be the the places where you know you need to be the most careful about asking, knowing that things are a little bit 
different than normal right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other um, sit down meal or our table service uh, that we had was Rosen Crown. We ate there twice on two different days because that's my husband's favorite place. Um, and both times we had excellent service, excellent food. Um, I, I switched up what I had um, each of those nights. He orders the fish and chips every time. Uh, so, so, it is so um, good. I think part of Boring. it. Too, I think part of it too is that you can get a proper pint when you go in and sit down. They're still serving everything in plastic um, if you go into the into just uh, the pub, and they don't allow you to stand at the bar and and drink anymore. You know, you have to take it yeah. out. Um, whereas if you get to sit down at a table, you get a, you get an actual proper pint and a proper pint glass or a tulip shaped glass or whatever it is that you are, that you are wanting. So, um, that is all there. And, and I will say that if you are a fan of the Rosen crown, like we are, like I know Willie is, um, the, um, a lot of the cast members that work behind the bar, are even though they're from um, the United Kingdom, they are American citizens now. So they are still working. Um, you know, you will see Gavin and uh, Charlotte and Jill and a lot of these a lot of these people that have been there for years right. uh, pouring pints for you. They are there and they are so happy to see people and to say hello. So great. Um, it's nice. Yeah. I love my Rose and Crown people. They yeah. are so <laughs> fun. Yeah. And they're great, great people. Yep, they are. They're so good. So yeah. Um Anything else that people should know about Epcot, things that they need to be watching out for or, um, you know, they they should make sure not to miss either either direction? The only thing that I will say is if you are going to the Frozen attraction, um, because of the queue line getting so long, they actually shut the queue down for Frozen. So they will ask you to either wait off to the side for a few minutes before they will reopen it because it's all the way past China. Um, And so – if don't get mad at the cast member for doing their job, as we saw some people doing, they will reopen it in five or 10 minutes because the line is constantly moving. They were just out of space to keep you safe. And we all know that safety first is the important thing. Um, so, uh, if you go over there and you think that your child is not going to get to ride it, or you yourself are not going to get to ride it, that's not the case. Um, but know that when you are walking past Norway, past all of China, going, you know, I mean, you're like, when you see how long the line is, um, don't be discouraged and don't be mad when they don't let you in it for a few minutes because we were turned away once and she was like, come back in five minutes, you know, and we did and we got right. Right. Yeah. But then otherwise Epcot is growing and changing and I am very excited. The sign is up for, um, for the Ratatouille ride over in France. Um, if you take the Skyliner you can fly over it and see it and it is beautiful back there. I can't wait for them to open it, but Epcot just needs its it needs a little time and, and it'll have a lot more love. So all right. Uh well we have one more park and you spent quite a bit of time there. So let's let's go ahead and, and work our way over to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um you hit the trifecta of uh uh Rise of the Resistance uh uh boarding passes. Um so I'm curious, you know, I presume you, you, you go ahead and went ahead and, and used the app and grabbed them, you know, from your, your room before you even left to head towards the park. Um, what, what was the range of your boarding pass numbers? Um, so our lowest, the lowest one we got this trip was I think 39 and the highest one was I think 62. Okay. And so I fell right in kind of the, the mid afternoon range for, for all of those. Yeah. Um, and, 
luckily the days we were there, um, it was, it was functioning fine pretty much all day, you know, whereas I saw after we left, there were some, some days where it didn't even start functioning until like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that's, we that's good. I mean, the, the good news is that even with capacity down and, and difficulty and, you know, keeping capacity going because of distancing and all of that, I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned it, it had a couple of days where it struggled a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. we're seeing more days more consistently where, you know, it, it's getting a full day's worth of, of rides in. And that's, that's good to see. Absolutely. All, all three days that we were there, um, all of the boarding groups, the backup boarding groups that had been issued rode, like, or at least as, as far as I could tell from what people were saying around us, you know, now maybe a very late number did not. Um, but yes, it was, it was functioning at a, at a better capacity and than when we were there in July even. So right. absolutely. Um, I will say this much about Hollywood studios. You need to get there early. Um, even if you, even if you get your rise of resistance, et cetera, it's, it's one of those parks where the earlier you can get there, the more you are going to get done sooner. So, right. because it is, it is by far the most crowded of the parks right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is the fruits of the last two years of of additions at Walt Disney World, right? It's all been about Hollywood Studios. They got Toy Story mm-hmm. Land and they got Galaxy's Edge, and it went from being everybody's last, you know, half day park to becoming mm-hmm. a focal point for a lot of people, and especially for locals. And you, you know, you've got a much higher proportion of locals in the parks in general right now. Um, so I think Hollywood Studios is really feeling that that burden. Um, we talked a little bit about Rise. Um, did you did you get a chance to ride um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway? That's what I was we, getting ready to ask. Yeah, we did. We rode it. Um, I think we we did it twice each day that we were there. So we we had found from kind of watching and seeing the first day that we were there that when the park opens, the best strategy right now is to go all the way back to Slinky Dog because. While we were there, Slinky Dog consistently stayed between 55 and 80 minutes all day. And if if we got in line, getting there early, now keep in mind the people that are taking park transportation, the Skyliner, the buses, they get in a little bit before the people who are driving because they don't let you in right an hour before the park opens like the buses do. Um, if, when you get there, we waited about 30 minutes to ride Slinky Dog each of those days. Um, and then we would go do other things. And Slinky Dog remained the same length of line all day consistently. Whereas people would pile into Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway when the park opened and it would jump up to a 60, 70 minute wait, but not two hours later, it was down to 25 minutes. It's so, kind of like Spaceship Earth, Earth, Spaceship Earth and Epcot. Everybody well, wants to go, go running to that when they come in the front gate. And the, the other thing is that they, they made an adjustment at Mickey and Minnie's, kind of like what they did at Rise of the Resistance, but it's been even more effective at Mickey and Minnie's in that they went and they put the plexiglass dividers between the rows. And so they went from, you know, when they, when they were first opening it and the lines were just awful, it was because they could only put, you know, like one family per car, like one family was essentially taking four rows. And so they effectively, you know, doubled or tripled the capacity of the attraction by putting up those, um, those plexiglass dividers, um, 
because they can still, you know, load. They, they still don't pack the cars and they still don't put parties in the same row together, but they can at least, you know, fill 50% or so of the car instead of it going three quarters empty. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I noticed between July and when we were there, this trip was, was that very thing. And I, and I will say that as much as the plexiglass doesn't bother me and I feel good knowing that they've put it up, it does diminish the ride experience a little bit if you are in the back behind a plexiglass. Whereas if you were in the front without one in front of you, because the cars separate, you know, how the ride operates, um, it, it does diminish the ride a little bit that you're watching everything through the plexiglass because the new technology with the screens and the, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really exciting to see it and to have to have that plexiglass barrier, which we know will come down one day. Um, it, it does kind of, ruin a little bit of the magic but not so much that i wouldn't ride it you know <laughs> but, but did you get the opportunity to ride in the front yeah yeah so um because we rode it so many times we were randomly placed in different places and that's the only reason i noticed was having ridden in the front and then behind the plexiglass i was like mm, it's not as much fun to, to watch it through plexiglass <laughs> <laughs> so um the rest of the park is is very exciting um i will say that I don't think when they built Galaxy's Edge, because of the way it's laid out when, when you're there, um, they had all, ever thought about needing it to social distance because of pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, they built it intentionally, uh, you know, trying to create a sense of intimate space, yes. you know, and, and, and built it with, with sort of sweeping curves and things so that it would not create an impression of big open space. Exactly. And it's interesting because it was the one place that consistently you are waiting to go inside any building that you are there. It, it doesn't matter if it's an attraction, if it's a shop, if it's Oga's Cantina, whatever it is you are waiting <laughs> like. <laughs> so, um, but Hollywood Studios was the one park that I felt was under-decorated for the holidays, too. Um, it did not, I don't want to say it didn't feel magical, but it did not have the spectacle of lights, you know, and usually it's because they've got, what is it? Jingle bell, jingle jam and all that, you know, all these, all these exciting things going on there. It was just, um, un underwhelming for, for Disney decorations. Um, and so I'm hoping that as December progresses, maybe they've added more decorations as it goes on, but was, it didn't was the tree up front. So the, the tree or is it only outside the, the right outside the park is where yeah. they usually have the big tree. Yeah, so there's a tree out there and there were a few little topiaries. And then there was a big tree over, um, over by the fifties prime time, uh, yep. over to the, to the left of the theater. Um, and then there were just some swags here and there. Uh, toy story land has nothing like, I don't know if they thought just the lights that they've hung, you know, that look like the Christmas lights for Toy Story land that kind of light the place if they thought that would work. But there was nothing. And Galaxy's Edge, of course, they probably don't celebrate Christmas, so it doesn't make sense. That well, and there. that's what I was just going to get to. Yep. I think that's part of the problem is that they need to figure out how to effectively isolate it visually from Galaxy's mm -hmm. Edge. Because if you light up Toy Story with all these Christmas lights, then it, it's going to you know, you'll, you'll see that it'll bleed into yeah, it's going to bleed over. Exactly. Galaxy yeah. edge that they're trying to isolate. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's maybe, especially for those of us who, who, you know, know and loved Hollywood studios in the, you know, Osborne family spectacle of lights days. It, yes. it just, it's like that much more impactful that 
it's not as thoroughly decorated as the other parks because, you know, it it used to be Decoration Central. Absolutely. They, no, they really haven't come up with anything to replace that, have they? I no. Mean, and how long has this been, been gone? They're now? not. 2016, I think it's the last. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I am. Um, I will say that the digital projection that they're doing on the Tower of Terror, though, is absolutely incredible, and it changes like the castle does in the Magic Kingdom. And so you see me a picture, and it's amazing. Yeah, I it's was very, very jealous that you yeah. were there. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but uh, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster um, and uh, Tower of Terror stayed about a twenty-five minute wait all day. I, I never waited longer than that for those. Um, they did reopen. It was not open when we were there in July. Um, Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy. Right. Um, it opened, um, I think, to you know pull crowds in, in various ways that we've talked about earlier. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Oh, the um, all of the the launch bay is still closed, uh, and the Little Mermaid uh, show is still closed. Um, so you know the dance party was open. Oh, and while we were there, the the last day that we were there, the third day, the Frozen Sing Along had reopened. Oh right, I'd seen yeah. that that was coming, and I was pretty surprised actually. <laughs> As was I. Um, I didn't know. I, I, I kind of wondered, how is this going to work? Are they going to sing in masks? What are they going to do? But no, um, it was very much the show that, that you are used to. Um, you can tell if you're paying attention, if you're not a six-year-old, that everybody on stage is staying six feet apart as they do their blocking. Um, Interesting. <laughs> you know, but um, it, it snowed. The banners changed. They sang all the songs. Um, it was the holidays, so they even did the holiday tag, and Olaf comes out. Um, you know, I mean, like it was it was oh. a full thirty five minute show. Now, how did they do the seating for the guests? So they they do it um, like I don't, I don't know if you um, if, if if anybody's talked about the fact that you have to go in groups of four. So if you're a party of six, you still have to be either like four and two or three and three. You can't sit larger than a group of four, and they they seat the row every other row. And there are groups of four that Oh, and they stack. do the checkerboard thing. Yes. Yeah, checkerboarded through the theater. Um, and so it does not hold, but, you know, maybe a third of what what is there. Um, and that's noticeable because they are used to playing to a full crowd of right. people that are excited, you know. You know and so um, when there's less applause, less, less laughs, fewer laughs at the jokes, et cetera, you know, I think it, it, it plays with the energy of the of the cast members as well. But they still did a phenomenal job. We laughed, heard new jokes that we had never heard before. You know, like they did an excellent job. So it, was, it, was, it was exciting. Well, and again, that. they found a way to get entertainment going again in a park. You know, that that's good to hear, good to see mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. happening. It, it's, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So, I think that that's a big piece of of Disney magic that that you know was, was a hard part to see missing when they first were reopening. It was it was crushing when we were there in July and it was reopening and all you didn't see anybody anybody in entertainment nothing none of that was going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so. Now, did you do any dining in in Hollywood Studios? Or are you smarter than that? No. We see. We <laughs> like the food at Hollywood Studios. So, um, <laughs> We ate at the um, we ate at the fifties primetime diner one day. Had a fantastic meal. Um, 
they did not they do not tease you as much right now. Um, you know, they can't fly your green beans to your mouth and all that. But um, we we really did have a good meal. It is very very different looking in there for social distancing. They've cleared out the entire bar. There's no furniture in there. You can't order drinks at the bar. You can't do any of that. So it's bizarre. But the food was delicious. Um, and our our waiter and and waitress because we had a, a woman in training as well were great. And then um, we uh, we ate at the Brown Derby. One day, it's one of our favorite places, and we had a, a really nice meal there with a with a, a good a, a good waitress as well. So we had we had excellent excellent food. Uh, the other day, we just snacked our way um, because Woody's lunchbox had reopened, so we <laughs> so we went over to Toy Story Land and um, and ate that, and then we went back to uh, Geyser Point over at the Wilderness Lodge that night for dinner. So oh, we nice. you know, we didn't we didn't eat the third day we were there. Okay. Uh, So anything particular about Hollywood studios that we haven't talked about that, you know, you think people should know good, bad, and different, but, but significant. When you see that the hours appear to be short because it closes at seven, um, you are going to worry, how are we going to get everything done? Do not be alarmed because while the crowds are very large, when you first get there through the day, especially if you're there on a weekend, um, you know, it will it will appear to be like, oh, we are never going to to make it through everything that we want to do. You will have ample opportunity to, to um, ride and experience everything more more than once if you would like. You, you know, I mean, we right. you know we we did everything that we wanted on more than one again. Like I said, we rode Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, you know, two or three times each time we were there. So, you know, absolutely. Do not be alarmed by the shortened hours at Hollywood Studios right now, because without fast passes, um, you, you know it's, it's it's different. And you know, I, it was great. It was it was a great day day park from what what was it 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's a great mm-hmm. amount of time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the other side of the effect of it being a much more local crowd like right now, right? Is, you know, those folks aren't staying on property. And so around dinner time, they're heading out, they're heading home for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will you will notice a clear decline after about two o'clock, especially, you know, as it gets hot, as, you know, oh, wow. they've done their morning stuff, or if they rode Rise of the Resistance and they're done, you know. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Cause, well, because, I mean, again, it, that's a lot of those folks are are locals and you know that time when if you've got younger kids you were going to head back to resort and take a nap they're mm-hmm. just going to head home yeah absolutely but that's that's really about it i we thoroughly enjoyed our our days there you know just just as we did the other parks so. right right that's good to know because i've heard of you know uh, uh, both crowd size and crowd management being spoken of in rather uh, unpleasant terms uh, that was not your experience not at all. We we didn't have a single um, episode where we saw any problems with crowd management, anything like that. I will say the the toughest park I think for crowd management was the day we were at the Magic Kingdom on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, and it's just because queue lines are all over the place. So trying to manage people walking, stopping, you know, where, I mean, they, they had the queues extended so far that there was masking tape on the ground to mark the six feet instead of the kind of semi-permanent stickers that they've got that say, wait here, wait here, you know. Um, but we never once really saw any problem. I will say the one thing that, that people don't understand is that Disney is very serious about the rule about not eating in line anymore. 
Um, and so at a few of the attractions, they actually have places where if they see you eating in line, they will pull you out of the line to finish whatever your snack is. And then they will pause the line and put you back in the line, um, effectively letting the line continue moving so you can finish your snack, your pretzel, your ice cream, your Dole Whip, whatever it is that you've done. But I saw them pulling people out of the line and saying, you have to finish that or throw it away. So, you know, I, I was pleased with the crowd management that I saw. Yeah. Galaxy's Edge is always going to be the hard part mm-hmm. because it, it, it's just physically the, the space yeah. isn't there. Yeah, yeah, I would not be surprised if, as we move back into larger crowds, as we get vaccines and all of that out, um, if they have to close Galaxy's Edge like they did when it first opened for capacity for a little bit because there's just no space to wind those lines. You know. Yeah, but all right. Yeah. Um. So I think the only things we really haven't talked about here are anything outside of the parks that you might have have done. And on a longer trip, you know, even spending time in parks every day, you've got a little bit more opportunity for it. Um, You had a meal at Geyser Point. I know anything else that was outside the parks that, you know, stands out. It was significant. It was something it bears mentioning. So, so most of our stuff that we do outside of the parks is eat and we don't, we don't tend to leave Disney property. So everything we do outside of the parks is always on property. Um, we went to Disney Springs one afternoon. It was the afternoon after our day at animal kingdom. Um, and we were there for maybe an hour and 10 minutes. I will say that as safe as I feel in the parks and everywhere else, Disney, Disney's, uh, Disney Springs is the wild, wild west mask adherence. There is not good. That is there. There is not. There are not enough employees or cast members, excuse me, to um, to be able to police it effectively. It's it's not that they're not trying. It's that human beings are human beings, and um, American human beings are American human beings, and the cast members are are trying. And it's it, there. You know, there's just not enough of them. Right. There's no, and, and not so, all of those employees are cast members. You know, I mean, Disney does a great job training their folks. The other mm-hmm. folks do a decent job, but it's not the same. And yes. and they know how to do their jobs in their store, but mm-hmm. it. I think the, the the finer details of of crowd management type things and that sort of stuff, it's just not the same. Um, the training isn't the same for those mm-hmm. folks who are, are working for the individual stores as opposed to being cast members. Absolutely. So we we went into the world of Disney. We went into the co-op. We went into the Christmas shop and the art shop and we left because we just – I hate to say that I didn't feel safe. It did not feel as safe as – when you are in the parks or at the restaurants or the resorts. You and didn't feel as comfortable. I was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. So um, we did that. Now, other than that, our meals at other places were phenomenal. We did not eat anywhere at Disney Springs. Um, we had a fantastic meal at the Wave that first night that we were there. Incredible service. Um, we had phenomenal food. We went to Geyser Point twice um, and had dinner there twice. Uh Excellent, excellent. And people will, will say, oh, gosh, we had to wait two hours at Geyser Point. I'm not sure when, when those people are going, but we waited about 25 minutes each time to get a table, and it was and it was fine. And it was around dinner time. So I think it's one of the hidden gems on property. For the first time ever, we ate at Whispering Canyon. Is that the one in the lobby of the, um, yep. uh-huh. of the Wilderness Lodge? Um, it, we had a phenomenal meal there, too. They've had to lower their antics right now uh, as yeah. well, from, from what I understand. But the waiters and waitresses are doing a great job um, trying to keep as much as they can when people ask for straws or 
you know, various other things. Um, so we had, we had very good food there. Um, and I think that's all we, we really did for, um, off or out of the parks because we, like I said, we splurged for that one bedroom. So we would go back and, um, we had brought our own beer and our own snacks as well. So we go back to our room and, (laughs) and and it's a nice, comfortable place to hang out. Absolutely. Because we're not just sitting on the bed. We had a couch. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, all right. So, um, I guess just to kind of wrap things up, um, you know, every trip has its things. We've talked about this before, has its thing, right? That one thing that 10 years from now, you know, you're going to come across it and it's going to immediately say in your head, you know, Thanksgiving 2020. And, you know, summer trip, clearly, you know, masks, right? You, <laughs> you know, there were all those things that, that were so new, but Okay, so now you've seen that. It wasn't quite as novel. What's going to be the thing that's, that is the enduring memory from, you know, the Thanksgiving 2020 trip? I think that that's, that's pretty hard to answer. There were a lot of, um, of really great experiences that we had. Um, I, I think more than anything, it's going to be the new projections on the castle and the, and the lack of a fireworks show, um, you, you know, um, to, to say, Gosh, remember that time I went to Disney and they had this beautiful castle and there was no fireworks or no, you know, any anything else. Yeah, you, you know. Um, and I hate for it to be like a negative, but it's not. It's a different. Okay. You know. You know. Sure. Um, and it's just uh, a lot of a lot of fun to uh, to to think about. Yeah, masks were July and August, and they were still obviously uh, very much part of this trip. But um, to see Christmas with with cavalcades instead of parades and no fireworks yeah yeah um i think i think that's what it'll be i i also didn't mention that this was our was our 20th anniversary trip as well so happy anniversary oh oh, oh, thanks congratulations it was it was fun to uh to to wear our buttons with our 20 ears each day and to have people congratulating us and saying things as well but um that wasn't really necessarily the focus of the of the (laughs) conversation tonight so all right, but but that does make me, you know, force me to ask here as we were wrapping up, what was your favorite, uh, you know, anniversary acknowledgement? Um, th- there were two different ones. The first one was one day during the cavalcade. Um, uh, <laughs> um, Max, who drives in front of the Goofy Float for one of the cavalcades, he actually stopped the car and kind of like gestured to us and waved and beeped his horn and like it was nice to just have him stop it to adults instead of you know kids which i feel like a big kid when i'm there so um (laughs) it's nice to have that and then um at whispering canyon our waitress was phenomenal and she uh she was so funny and she got triple sat while she had us and she still gave us such incredible service and then she still brought out like um two uh champagnes with a little strawberry down in it and a free cupcake and all of that and you know um again as we talked about that one show that one time about the the unexpected magic or those kinds of things <laughs> those kinds of things that happen um it was it was just a nice little way to cap off an evening if that makes sense sure absolutely all right well you know, Jay, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and talking to us about your trip. Um, it's, it's great to be able to get such a broad perspective. Um, and so uh, really uh, enjoyed having the conversation. Um, hey, 
If you're wondering about a, a holiday trip to Walt Disney World under these unique circumstances, you know, this is a, a lot of the information that I think you'll find uh, helpful because a lot of these similar things are going to continue to be, you know, things to pay attention to, things to, to uh, maybe modify some of the practices you would normally take when you're when you're touring around the parks, you know, as you're going through the, the holidays here and, and even really into, uh, you know, January, February uh, of, of the next calendar year. Absolutely. If, if you are on the um, on the fence about whether or not you should take that holiday trip, um, assuming that you feel that you and your family can do it safely, I say do it because um, while 2020 has been a crazy year, it is such a cool, different Disney experience if it's something that you can do. Well, I've had a lot of people you know, ask me, what, what, are you crazy? You, you want me to book a trip to Disney World right now during all this? But I think, you know, just listening to what you had to say about the, the different scenarios, you, you can learn from it. Okay, so here's what we want to do, and here's what we absolutely don't want to do. Yeah. We want to stay safe. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, my friends at work and all of that thought that I was crazy, but um, I've shown them now. I've gone to Disney World twice during a pandemic, told them I felt safe and come back and tested negative. And there are people that stayed here while I was gone and they're not testing negative right now. Because instead, they've been going into restaurants where people don't wear masks and sitting indoors and, you know. Absolutely. So Thank God for that McDonald's meal. That's right. That's right. So uh, I I just... I shouldn't ask yeah, I, I just think that it's um, it's really it's really nice. If it's something that you and your family feel safe like that you can do. Um, the Disney as we know it right now, thank goodness, will not last like this forever. But on the flip side of that, it will not last like this forever. And if you want to see low crowds and a different way to see Disney, this is the time to do it. Well, again, thanks so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Love to hear from folks who have been on the fence and and hear whether they found this this helpful or you know if you've got questions and we can you know maybe didn't answer we can always have Jay back and have him uh, respond to some of those questions too if there are things that uh, you'd like some assistance with. But uh, until next time, I've been your host Aaron Ripmaster with my co-hosts Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night. And our special guest, Jay Crocker. Thanks again for having me, guys.